is the cross-border interview podcast featuring Jennifer Winest. Welcome back to the cross-border interview podcast. Today's guest is Calgary City Council candidate for Ward 2, Jennifer Winest. Jennifer, thank you so much for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. It's nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Jennifer. Too much sports gear. Pardon me? I have too much sports gear on my desk. <laughs> no worries. Hey, the life of a candidate, you're always busy, busy, busy. So uh, thanks for taking your time and doing this. Uh, let's just get this uh, interview going. Where's your sense of duty to serve come from, Jennifer? Well, I like trying to find, make things better and, and find solutions for everyone. And I find that as time has gone on and as I've matured as a person, um, we've oversimplified societal issues and it, it's become a, so divisive and an us them. And we're so caught up in just looking at one thing when there are ripple effects of decisions that aren't being addressed. And so I wanted to come and be a candidate to have the hard conversations, to show people that we're, we're all trying to find the good in our communities and, and bring that voice to council. Uh, in the next four years, if you are the successful candidate on October 18th, you will have some hard decisions to make, and we'll be talking about them here. But the first one is your decision to enter the race. Um, you did run in 2017, and you've decided to put your name in the hat again in 2021. Why again? Why put your name for it once again? I think uh, Joe doubled down. Like our, our representative is not representing Ward 2. Our voice is not being heard. The same issues that were in 2017 are still happening today. Our new communities are waiting for transit and services. Our, our old communities aren't having being advocated for, for um, maintenance. And residents aren't having emails responded to. Our, our representative isn't knocking doors and saying, hey, what do you need to hear? What do you, what do I, as your counselor need to hear? How can I have these conversations? It's, it's been crickets. He can't even go to the media and advocate for a single thing because of his actions and his choices um, that he made while in office. And I think we're too desperately needs that because we go from older established communities to brand new builds. And so you need someone that's going to look at the spectrum and say, okay, how do I, as a counselor represent this broad spectrum of community. Now uh, we're going to talk a little bit uh, in, in this part of this uh, interview about what you're hearing at the doorstep. You just talked about it briefly there for a few seconds, uh, transparency, access to the counselor, uh, transportation, but also on your website, you have a uh, key uh, priorities under your issues, uh, which your website is jenniferwineness.com, which will be linked in the show notes for anyone listening and to my viewers. Um, you talk about fiscal responsibility, accountability, innovative and effective public service, future of Canada, business cluster plans, and hands up, hands, hands up, not hands out. Are you hearing those issues as well at the door? Yeah. Yeah. There, it's a lot because like you look at some of the businesses that are going down in Ward 2. We have a line in Drugs and Sage Hill that's closed, but because of zoning, we have to try and replace it with the big box. So big box store. So we need to try and get creative to um, anchor community gathering places within Ward 2. And so I find that in Ward 2, you go, you got open fields, you got big box that are closing down. Even if you go over into Royal Oak, there's a, there's a former bake store outlet that's closed that's still vacant. So we have these big vacant facilities that need to be filled. 
how come our counselors not going what what how can we change zoning how can we make it so that we can develop something that's going to attract calgarians here we have sports fields um but people just come and and go the, the focus on the downtown core is is fine but i think we also need to look at what calgary holistically needs and i'm sure there's other wards that are similarly designed to war two that are facing the same issues but it's not being discussed. We're so micro-focused on Calgary. And if you look at what city's council's decision over the years to build lots of commercial in the downtown core, but didn't try and do balanced development, you had the people in the downtown core, but we didn't give them added services to anchor them there. And now that everyone has vacated the downtown, we're suddenly supposed to all focus on this one issue when are my communities going, why do I have to stare at a future bus stop? When's, when's our turn? When's our turn to have our issues addressed and talked about? And yes, we're talking about sprawl in this campaign, but we, we still haven't addressed the problems of the sprawl that we've already allowed to have happen. Uh, as the next city councillor for Ward 2, you will be there to represent the people of Ward 2. But as a counselor, you will also have to address Calgary issues. And it goes to back to what you're talking about, about you can't forget about Ward 2 while the downtown core is being talked about. How do you envision yourself doing that? How do you envision yourself representing your ward, but also putting a Calgary first mindset? And I hate to use the Calgary first uh, line, but a, hey, we have to look at the bigger picture from time to time as well. And sometimes wards might be forgotten well okay let's use transit for example the the c train to nowhere is actually a c train to war two and it's like if we start looking at that and that's a massive calgary issue we took the path of least resistance going south but you're going through an industrial area which is not filled with people and homes that need to get transported to and from work or to and from events around the city. So a holistic approach is going, okay, yes, it may be harder to go north, but you're also going to increase ridership by going north. So if we if we're talking about transit being low ridership and yet we're driving it right through an industrial park, doesn't that seem like cause and effect why the ridership would be low? Like it, it, it's it's I like to look at issues and things that will come across my desk as a counselor of what is the experience of someone in War Two. So don't get me wrong. If we build the arena, the people of War Two will go to it. But how they get there is something I also want to have happen. I want them to get to and from events safely. And typically that involves if you're going to a concert, people like to drink. So we don't want you to be car dependent exiting War Two to go to an event in the downtown core. Therefore, we need to advocate for transit so that you can get to and from events safely. Now, transit costs money. Uh, yes, the Green Line does have its set path right now. And hypothetically, knock on wood, we will be having shovels in ground, as the prime minister said in the fall. Uh, you on your website talk about fiscal responsibility. Uh, before I ask the question, I need, to, I need to know from your words, in your own words, what does fiscal responsibility mean? Fiscal responsibility is mindful of where the money that's coming into Calgary comes from. So it's not an unlimited well that I can constantly jack up taxes to cover the costs of spending at council. It's I know that when I make a decision, the people paying it for it are myself and my neighbors and all of Calgary. And so it's it's not an unlimited well of misspending. Hence why I've also talked about changing the way in which we budget 
and how we make we move money through a council. There's an attitude that happens that it's spend it or lose it so you can maintain your budget. We haven't incentivized departments to not spend on stuff that they don't need. In recreation, there's times where in order to save save money, they'll buy a whole bunch of life jackets and pool toy or or just stuff so that they can maintain that budget item when they didn't need it that year. So then it's all stored in storage until they actually need it. But if they, if we would have incentivized that we could have moved it or reallocated it to a department that either had um, like a pipe burst or a heavy snow year, because it's, we have a pot of money. It's how do we move it around families across Calgary have to do this. Parents have a set paycheck. They have to pay for daycare. They have to pay for housing. They have to pay for food. So there were always instinctively juggling it within family units. And it's something that I'm always thought mindful of is, okay, where do I want to move the money to and from? And so that's why I want to do more incentivized budgeting at city council and be more creative. COVID has showed that all the barriers that people put in front of them are only there because we keep that barrier there. It blew the world up where people were now able to work from home. And it was like, I'm sure there are many employees going to their employer saying, Hey, can we have flexible workspaces? And they're like, no, 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 we can't do it. We have to do it this way. Then COVID happens and it's like, boom, floodgates open. And yes, when, when there is pressure and a, a societal pressure that happens, we can make change. And I think city council needs to start looking at are the barriers there just because we're comfortable with them. And that's the way we've always done it. Or are there more innovative ways to do things? So are you in favor of going, getting, uh, foregoing the four-year budget process that uh, council does at the beginning of each term uh, as one of the first things that you'll be doing is the budget for four years. And you, you can never, you can, uh, the pandemic has shown you that you can never prepare for the future because you do not know what's going to come. So in order to do what you're saying is, incentivize people, you have to look at it as a year-to-year basis. So are you in favor of moving it back to the year-to-year budget process that we originally had before the four-year budget process came in? No, I like the four-year so that they know how much money they get. But the thing is, is I'm incentivizing them not to spend all of that. So you can, so it's important for them to be able to plan for long-term growth projects and to know that if they want to invest in a quality product or a quality initiative in a department, we can make it happen rather than having to always find the cheapest way out because sometimes the cheapest ends up costing us more. It's like, even when we discuss privatization, typically the lowest bid gets it, but, but what's the fine print? Does it say if there's an overage of something, there's an increased cost. So like it's fine and dandy to look at something up front and go, okay, this is going to be it. But then suddenly it's, oh, we went, we didn't overage. So now it costs more. So if a department could go for the next four years, I have this much money. How am I going to prioritize what I want? So if I want to try and move some money forward for two years down the road to invest in some a quality project, I am able to do that. But it's going to be taken from my first year's budget rather than always thinking X number of dollars has to transition four times. Changing the narrative at City Hall might be a hard task. You are one vote on council. You will have to work with 15, 14 other people to get anything passed. Uh, incentivizing, and I think if you talk to people across the city, they would be in favor of that. Hey, you should not have to spend your full budget if you don't need to. How do you get 
all your counselors or the majority of your counselors on side to do that because we are seeing a very politically divisive time in politics now. So you have to work with 14 other people to get things passed. And it sounds like an easy task to get something like that incentive politics or financing budgeting done. But let's be honest, nothing's easy in politics these days when it comes to votes. No. Well, it's conversation. You have to find out what some of their goals are. And I think when I talk to people at the doors, I'm running the spectrum all across. So I've met people that are, 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 you could, would classify as really far right and people that are really far left. But when I listen to what they're talking about, I, you can tease out the commonalities of what people are looking for. And so in order for me to succeed at meeting or finding compromise within my counselors, I have to know who Calgary's elected. And then I have to go and have conversations about what their goals are, what they want to achieve um, and what their writings want to hear and have happen too. Like it's, it's being able to go, okay, you want ABCD. Okay. Well, what's, where's the first step that ward two wants to have happen? Is there one step that we can both take in the same direction? You cannot expect in four years to accomplish a hundred percent, but if we can make steps towards change, that's a win and change that can, that can be sustained and that people want to have happen. And I think right now people are also quite fearful um, and we need to find ways to reconnect and, 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 and alleviate that fear. It's, it's important to talk and find out why people are afraid or what they're afraid of and find ways to get everyone sort of comfortable with, with what's happened in this unknown world that we've, we've had happen to us. Like it's, it's, um, and you got to look too at council. Like we have a lot of counselors that have not are not coming back. So it's we got a bunch of rookies hitting council. So how already there's going to be a bit of a shift because there's going to be a multitude of ideologies coming that we're going to have to sit and discuss and work through together. But I think what we also have to look at is it's all the words that are saying we want change and these are the people that we want to have happen, which is also voices that are probably, depending on who is elected, have heard at the door some of their issues. So it's not going to be the first time I'm going to be facing some roadblocks, but I don't shy away from it. One of the big things that I hear from residents across the city when I talk to them is um, transparency and accountability. These are two things that I think every resident is uh, frustrated with uh, with the current crop of counselors, even the ones who are running for re-election. Um, to be transparent is quite an interesting aspect because you, as the counselor, will have to hold some things potentially private due to confidential confidentiality matters, but also you will have to address your votes in council. How do you see yourself doing that and ensuring that the political discourse doesn't blow up as bad as it has, because as much as you might say, I'm going to talk to everyone, people might not want to listen. Let's be honest. And how do you, how do you talk to those people who might not want to listen to you and say, this is why I've done X, Y, and Z. And this is why I voted this way. Well, it's like what Chahal did with the mask mandate. He did a two pager on his reasonings. And I said that in 2017, that when it comes to making decisions and votes, I think it's important that the counselor releases uh, a, a background on what led them to that decision and vote. And I think it's about um, being able to justify your vote with facts um, and reasoning. That's not just me. Like, like I am the counselor to represent a large group of people and I have to do um, 
take, yes, my perspective, but also the conversations of people around me. And so I understand that I can't put my ego first. It's about making sure that I'm doing what everybody wants. And I know how to check myself and put it aside. I'd rather talk about the issues and the ideas uh, of what, what my neighbors are experiencing. Um, and, 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 and it's really hard to explain something that I can do with a lot of people at the doors of being able to listen and hear and understand why they're they want something in a certain way. And it's, 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 I also tell people out the doors that I will never be able to please everybody hundred percent of the time. And so it's like, if they vote for me already out of the gates, they know that I'm not sucking up to them saying, yes, I agree with you. I'm going to be able to make it all happen the way you exactly want it to happen. I will have long drawn up conversations with people discussing why they want something one way and want something another way. Like the arena deal has been a hot topic and I've been having a long one on with people about that of, well, you people, especially when people are, we don't want higher taxes, but then they want the arena. So let's unpack that. You want this arena that yeah, is, is going to be great for hockey and you want Calgarians to backstop it, but then you also don't want your taxes to go up. So how can I, as your counselor, make that happen? And I'll sit there and we'll go back and forth. And then they'll start to realize that, yeah, okay, we have to um, think further than just my wants of an arena. And how was it shaped? Like, look at, uh, I'll even bring up the Aquilini brothers in Vancouver. It was, that wasn't built off of taxpayers of Vancouver. It took 20 years for them to get their return on investment and development. And they've actually cleaned up quite now. Well, but it was, patient scheme for the owners of that team and the want of that arena. And whereas for some reason, Calgarians who love fiscal responsibility are willing to forget that to build an arena. And it's, it's, it's kind of fun to have that conversation and go, okay, well, what do we actually want here? It's services. And it's reminding people that even though we want to talk about slashing and burning city council's budgets, there's still services that people want. So when we start having those conversations about going, okay, well, what do we want to spend our money on? What do you want to pay for? It actually opens the conversation up at the doors. And I really enjoy having those chats. Let's just talk about a little bit, go a little bit deeper into this because it's a great conversation. And I'm glad that municipal count candidates like yourself are willing to openly talk about it. Um, you will be present it with a wide range of topics that you will have to deal with some that you may not agree with who might come to you and say, Hey, this is what I want. You might not like it, but as your, as my counselor, this is what I need from my city, whether it be my sidewalk paved, whether it be my road paved, sometimes you will have to say no. Sometimes you will have to say no and explain why you say no. As the counselor who will be looking after the majority of people, sometimes you will have to make decisions based on the minority of people. How do you envision yourself doing that to a work with a certain group of people in your ward to say, okay, let's try and get this figured out. It may not affect everyone in ward two, but I understand that you need it. I want to get it done and we need to get it done. Yeah. It's, well, I think too, what I'm seeing at the doors is what may be a minority issue is actually really interconnected. And so it's, it's like it, like this, there, there's pressures around the schools and ranch lands uh, for moving people in and around it and the roadways that need to be repaved, which is some of it started, some of it's not and like playground upgrades, but you go, Okay, well, is it just ranch lands that's only dependent on this or is it outside of it? Because Nolan Hill students are being bussed over there. So I like to show people how connected the issue is. So maybe some people in Nolan Hill or 
or other parts of World War II are like, oh, that I don't want that. But I'm like, but your children are in this section of the community. So you're still going to benefit. And that's why I really like door knocking so many different neighborhoods is I'm starting to really connect how people are moving throughout War II and how at first glance, someone may assume that that doesn't impact them. But because I've I'm learning the patterns throughout War II of, of people that live here, I can open their eyes to something of how they're connected to another area of it so that it's like, yes, your tax dollars may not be going directly into your backyard, but they are going to an area that you have overlapped. And that's why I always like to go back to how, how do Calgarians move around the community? How do we move around the city and why it's important to always think about that. So it's a, a small minority issue is never just a small minority issue. I, I appreciate you saying that because uh, whenever I pose that question to some ca- ca- council candidates, they seem to uh, not understand the uh, whether while it might be just a one person issue, it is connected to the bigger plan. It is connected to that bigger scheme. So thank you very much for answering that. I want to talk about COVID-19, the elephant in the room that is going to dominate the uh next four years of your life if you are the successful candidate on October 18th. How do you envision working with the next council, but also working with your residents of Ward 2 and the people of Calgary to ensure that nobody gets left behind? This pandemic has ravaged our city. Uh, Our finances are in a mess because things had to close. Services will need to potentially be reduced or looked at to potentially change the way that they are given next year due to the recovery, due to finances. How do you ensure that we keep the quality of life that we have while everyone continues to move forward and nobody gets left behind? Well, I think that's an interesting one because even before COVID were to families have been impacted by the downturn. There's a lot of people that went from two family incomes in World War II to down to one. And so it's, it's we needed to find ways to remember that the, we weren't living in the glory days in Calgary before the, the COVID happened. And we have to acknowledge that. So there's a lot of, a lot of hidden issues that are going to be exposed coming out of COVID that we may try and label as a COVID issue, but it's actually a pre-COVID issue that's just been compounded by COVID. That's a little bit COVID heavy on the wording, but it's true. And I think we have to look at um, trying to make sure uh, we continue to have growth happen. And so this, in some senses, this kind of takes us to the conversation in and around sprawl, because when you look at sprawl, it keeps housing costs low because you always have an increase in supply. Uh, but if we say, okay, well, we're going to stop sprawl and then we're going to put it for all the development downtown, you're still going to end up seeing an increase in housing costs. So again, it goes back to the identity of what Calgary is. We're a family city. And I think sometimes council's forgotten that where we have a lot of kids, we're going to need new schools. We need to be creative in how we build schools. There's a lot of cool technology out there around modular home building. So why not stop making it so brick and mortar? We do more like uh, modular to expand and grow as as uh, population growth happens in and around certain communities. Uh, I think we need to uh, to to be more creative on 
what we see happening with our, our sprawl development is a great opportunity to start bringing in green tech to build houses and, and new communities in ways that we can have solar go on the roofs and generate the most solar benefit, as well as make a, a bylaw to have um, plugins for electric vehicles in all new builds because this is sort of the wave of the future. And by having solar go on the new builds, you can help prevent some of the brownouts that are starting to occur when we have heat waves and everybody's uh, cranking up their air conditioners. So it's it's more about looking about how we want to take the future. Um, and then honestly, if you don't want to plug in an EV with the 220 that we're going to put in your garage, you can use a welder. So it's like, how do we market to both sides of the spectrum when it comes to electric vehicles or families? And, and also when we look at building, because like in War II, when you start going to the edge, it's not single family homes, it's townhouses, it's apartment buildings. And I think this is being lost in the sprawl conversation. We assume that War II is being mass developed with only single family homes. And when you actually get on the edge of it, you're like blown away by how dense the population is out here. And it's how do we make sure um, we're being creative in how we build these new communities, even road shapes. So we've been arguing about lowering the speed limit. Well, how about how we design the roads? If you design a straight road, obviously it's easier for people to speed. If we start adding curves and bends, it instinctively makes the driver slow down. So how about being creative on how we continue to sprawl rather than just go sprawls bad. I'm not going to have that in my city. But then forgetting that if we do that, then you're going to have to pay a lot more for housing, which in turn will leave people behind. At, the, at this current point of time, we are in a housing bubble. We are seeing house prices continually go up. Uh, in my area of the city, there are houses for sale on the street, on my street alone. And it seems like there's one going up each week. They are selling within a few days. You talk to the people who are living in those uh, houses and ask them why they're moving or where they're going. They will say whether, okay, some, I would say about 40% say we're moving to another part of the city. Some might say, and I would say the majority of them are saying we're leaving Calgary. There's no opportunity here. Retention is going to be a key priority for the next term, because while sprawl is going to happen and we're going to see a potential increase in houses in the next few years in the city, attracting people and retaining the people that we have here, including youth, is going to be an also another priority. How do you see retaining the population we have, but also growing it in a safe way, because you don't want to oversaturate the market with so many houses that houses, house uh, prices collapse. So how do you see yourself balancing those two out? Well, it's kind of like the downtown is a prime example of what we don't want to do. It was all commercial. And I think I said that earlier. And so we have to make sure that it's what's our long-term plan in Calgary. Because we also can't just keep building houses. We need green spaces and community buildings. We are, War 2 is so underserved for community buildings. It's actually impacting people's ability to vote and wait in line because we don't have a, we don't have community buildings and we don't have a lot of churches going in on the outer core or cultural buildings. So we have to go, well, how, how are we allowing development to happen without building anchor buildings, or I'd like to call them, where we can foster that community growth and have support services occur in those buildings. You would think that the Hamptons would have an abundance of community buildings, but they don't. And so then they're also starting to develop the the green space of, of the golf course. And these are 
are, are precedents that we don't want to continue to see happen because in some senses people were attracted because of the green space. And, and when we build new communities that are just flat fields and we don't put in playgrounds, you're not having an anchor for people to congregate around or at inland park, the lack of a community building where we could see um, a natural occurring of community growth happen because it's all just fields. We, where you, we need to build that community center of a field house where you can store your sporting equipment, where you can have uh, a pub upstairs where sporting groups can have fundraisers, where people can go and become spectators and engage in uh, exposure to a multiple of different sports. I think it's one of the few cricket fields that we have in Calgary. And then we have cross pollination of, of, of community groups. Um, and that just grows from there. I'm not going to like say, oh, this is just the end of it because I don't know what would happen by simply creating an incubator of community interaction and then more ideas spark from that. So I think it's really important to go, how can we um, look at where we're at with the money we have, uh, make it more appealing for people to say, stay and connect with your neighbors and connect with with uh, a support network that makes you want to stay in Calgary and childcare costs is, I think is something we've kind of alluded to in this conversation of why people would leave. Cause if we're talking families, there are provinces that are enticing people because childcare will, will, will go down. When you look at paying the cost of one month's rent to have your child monthly go in daycare, we really start have to start having a conversation about how do we make sure that we our kids, which are our future, have safe places to go and the families not paying X number of dollars on housing costs and the equivalent of housing costs to have your child cared for. It's it's a it's a conversation that no one really wants to have, but we need to start openly having conversations on it and the city will need to find partnerships with the province and with the federal government to to bring in to bring more attention to the issues of why calgarians are leaving in and in evanston families are leaving that community to move to be closer to school so their kids don't spend that much time on busing so i can see why it's a very important conversation to have because if you come into a new community thinking, great, I got all these amenities. And then as you live there and realize those amenities aren't there, you're going to see that big housing shift. And it's also harder on families when you sell a house in the first five years, because it's kind of front end loaded. It's you need to own longer to see more benefit in the resale of a home. So it's, it's, it's not a simple answer for a, not a simple question, which may seem simple at first, but. No, and, and I appreciate your honesty, and I I, I love when I, I hear candidates actually talk with passion about subjects, and I appreciate that you are bringing a narrative to this uh, campaign that I think is uh, quite interesting, and I, I I as a political observer love it, so I thank you for that. <laughs> Much appreciated. You're welcome. Um, yeah. I'm just cautious of time here, and I do want to make sure that I do get in this next part of the question. Um, I need you to put put your magic time hat on and put yourself on October 19th, October 19th, 2021. You are now the counselor designate for ward two in the city of Calgary. What is priority number one for you? Rebuild trust. There's no trust by having conversations with people that have been ignored for the last four years, possibly eight. I, I want to bring in the CAs. I want to have conversations. I want to hear their priorities of what they want. I want people that are experiencing the problems in the community to also bring a solution to me because 
like I say at the doors, it's, I know what me and my neighbors are experiencing through my conversations with them. I know how I move in and out of my community. Um, but I don't necessarily know what it's like on in Nolan Hill or Evanston. I can imagine myself as I drive around and see the initial pop-ups, but those people that experience that every single day are also coming up with the solutions that I want, I will want to implement. And I think it's really does a disservice when candidates go, I can give you the world and this is my solution. And then they won't have to live with the consequences of it. And it's really important that, and that's why I really like to have the honest conversations because it's, it's, I am sort of the vessel of making things happen for the community. It's my job to be a connector for the community groups to get them to uh, where they need to go within city hall as fast and efficiently as possible to get the processes started. I don't want to be a roadblock. I want to be making um, and advocating for what people want. And I think it's important that the councillor elected, especially on a rookie council, someone who wants to bring uh, a voice to the issues that we are facing. Hence why I'm talking about the sprawl issue differently in this campaign than what's typically happening with other candidates, because we need to s realize that it's, it's not as black and white. And if elected, we we're going to have to have these conversations. And I guarantee you there are times that we're all we're two residents will come with issues that I'm going to have to go to the media with just to shine a spotlight on and have the conversation with the rest of Calgary. So that all of Calgary understands more of issues that are happening outside of what is getting the headlines. And I think that's the hardest part about this campaign is there's a lot of external pressure to change the narrative of what city council is going to have to address. Um, and in some senses, we're, we're throwing some extra stuff in there so that people don't focus on what your counselor is advocating to do for you or what they're going to work on and um, or work with you on. And when you're going to walk into that voting station, you're going to get overwhelmed with ballots. And so it's really important that we bring clarity to this election and have um, voters really tune in and, and look at your candidates, do your research, think about who you can work with. And then if you think you can work with them, you're going to start seeing that behavior happen leading into Election Day. And it should hopefully continue after Election Day. And that's what I really want to do. And hence why I've, this is my second time coming back for this. I haven't given up on War II. I haven't given up on Calgary. And I think I'm the only candidate from 2017 that is running again. My counselor hasn't even confirmed to War II whether he's running again or not. And so that's why I really want to start building trust and advocate and listen to people in Calgary. And yeah, I'm passionate and I, I'm going to say I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to work with people who have the answers and, and want to make change to happen. Well, I want to ask you this question because it, it comes off of a statement that you just made during that statement there. You said that you don't know what the people in certain community associations or communities in Ward 2 are feeling. If you drove around, you might get a better sense of that. Are there things that you're hearing at the door that you're shocked or pleasantly surprised that people are bringing forward to you that you go, I never thought that this would be something that I'd be addressing at the door, but I'm glad I have the opportunity to. After last election, I'm not really feeling, I don't really have much shock and awe for like what people are, are, are throwing at me. I like to say like, like I love the firing spot element of going to a door and you never know what that person's issue is going to be. 
But because I can enjoy the conversation and get very passionate about what people are experiencing, I actually thrive on that um, conversation at the door because it's like they, someone can start with like, Oh, I want this. And then we'll talk through it and we'll, and, and that's what drives me to do this. I, and it, it gets me excited to engage in the, with the next person and the next person, because by the time I finish um, going through a, a community or a small hub, there, there are a lot of their asks are so simple. It's put a flashing light on a crosswalk that is heavily trafficked, especially near a bus stop. I'm like, that sounds like such a reasonable request, but why hasn't our counselor been advocating to make that happen? Why haven't, hasn't he been meeting with people to go make that, that crosswalk be marked? And I've heard that in my community, I've heard it in a neighboring community. And I'm just like, it's not necessarily the big things that people are asking for. And so I want account. I want to be the counselor that goes, okay, well, let's go talk to the department and go, why can't we put this in the budget to have this, this met need met? Why? Like it, it's, yeah. it's how many years have people been asking for that, that it hasn't been addressed. And a lot of people say my counselor hasn't returned that conversation that, that I think that I guess the biggest shock is the common response of my counselor has never gotten back to me. I've emailed, I've called, what do I do? I think that's the hardest question I have to answer. And I'm just like, and then they go, how do I hold him accountable? And I'm like, well, you can try emailing them again so that you can then tell your neighbors specifically your experience with our current elected official. Because that's the one question I can't answer when someone goes, how do I make my current counselor listen to me? Other than say, change them out and put me in. And so it's, uh, it's one of those ones that you're, I'm trying to encourage more conversation, I guess, is, is also part of it. The answer to that question. That's awesome. Um, as I said, October 18th is election day. Take two minutes, talk to the people of Ward 2 who might be listening to this, who might be watching this. Why should you be the next city councillor for Ward 2? Because I want to work with you right away. I want to help uh, get your voice heard. I want to connect our communities together to the services that you're asking for. I want to find the solutions for our everyday headaches. And I want to take the conversation past just the surface. Yes or no. Do you want this or that? I want to find ways to make steps towards a better community and, and also have the community associations be heard because there's a lot of times they're being shut out from, from what our counselor, uh, our counselor's work ethic. I don't know what you want to, what they, how they would describe it, but it's, um, it's, it's about making sure that we find uh, a responsible counselor that like, like we talked about earlier, fiscal responsibility, it begins with our campaigns. All of us candidates are managing um, tight budgets but in 2017, I spent less than $6,000 against a candidate who spent over $343,000. And I, I lost by roughly 3,000 votes. So if you want someone who is actually living and, and managing um, money efficiently and effectively to get my name out and to have conversations with the community, I'm willing to do the work and I'm actually practicing it throughout my entire campaign. So it's... Um, reach out. I want to have a conversation with you. If I have missed something that you are experiencing in your daily life in war two that you have not been heard on, 
uh, connect through my website and let's have the conversation. Let's let's try and start getting attention on the possible solutions for what you are experiencing within War 2. Uh, that's a, the greatest segue I've ever had in this in the about 40 conversations I had during this these uh, interviews. How can people get involved? How can people get involved in your campaign? Because you have a few weeks left until election day and you will probably need volunteers. You will probably need people to reach out. You will try to reach all the doors, but you might not be able to. How can people reach out? How can people get involved? You can connect with me through my website. I'm not sure if you put a link to it, jenniferwinus.com. You can donate. And I tr- trust me, I will use your donation very effectively to reach out to the community. You can help door knock. You can help lit drop. Um, if you have another skill that I'm not even thinking about that you think would be valuable to my campaign, let me know. I'm open to new and creative ways of cam- campaigning and connecting with the community. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be the traditional way, but if it gets the word out to your neighbors, to people in Ward 2 that will get them out to vote, let me know. I I really like innovative new ways of doing things. So let's talk. Awesome. Uh, with that, I just want to remind the my viewers and my uh, listeners that the link to Jennifer's website, uh, if I'm not mistaken, her social media platforms as well, will be in the show notes as long along with her email address to her campaign. I highly recommend that you get out and vote. Get it get engaged in this election. This is the future of Calgary we're talking about. October 18th is election day. Jennifer, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Greatly appreciate it. And thank you, thank you for taking your time and sitting down and discussing sprawl and all these important issues that will be facing Calgary for the next four years. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Border Interview Podcast was produced and edited by Miranda Brown Associates.